Hello and welcome to yet another Marvel show. It's the title of this podcast and it's also a pretty good summary of what this show is going to be about. And I've said that intro probably five times now because I've re-recorded this intro a lot. I'm your host, uh, Shay, and if you're listening to this, you might already follow me on Twitter, which is at uh, C-H-E-Y-L-O-N-G-H-I-N-I. If not, <laughs> you can follow me there. Um, also, I have YouTube as well, which will be linked in the like description i guess of this podcast and all the ones because on my youtube i am going to be reviewing thor love and thunder and miss marvel coming up i also want to do a phase four so far thing think about things that are going to be happening in the future that'll probably be out in a couple of weeks um i also want to do more content on my youtube channel that's not just marvel related which is why i made this podcast to basically talk about news and stuff but i'm not really a leaks person i don't really follow spoilers like that so probably won't talk much about that one thing that might be interesting is to go back and look at spoilers that came out that ended up being true or being not true um might be a fun thing to do we'll think about that and um I'm also not a huge trailer person. I watch like the first couple sometimes, um, but we'll talk about trailers that come out. And lately I've been not really into the press that comes out before Marvel projects. I mean, obviously press is going to try and hype up whatever thing is coming out, but I've just found that a lot of the things that they say are kind of false. Maybe that's another topic to get into one day. Um, So we will probably talk a little bit about some of that stuff. Um, while also managing expectations, because that's something I need to work better on. Um, but yeah, so, oh, and I also, part of my secret plan of all of this is to get more people to read comics or get people to read more comics. So we're going to talk about some of that stuff as well. I'll talk about things that I've been reading. We might talk about things that are relevant to things that are coming out, whatever the case may be. But yeah, um, so is there anything else that I want to mention with this intro? Oh, yeah background noise you might hear city noises it's just the way that it is given where i live and it's the summer and almost 90 degrees every single day so i'm not going to close my windows just for a little bit better audio so hopefully it's not too distracting though i did move into my bedroom so that you know there's not as many windows that are open because i have construction going on a block away but anyway with all that being said thank you so much for listening i'm really excited to have something like this because I mean, yes, I've been doing the YouTube stuff, and now that I've moved into my own place, I'll be able to record videos a lot more, but I also just wanted a place to talk even more about stuff, stuff that I might not feel like making a whole video on, um, because I do have some friends that I talk to about the MCU, um, but I work with them, so I don't see them all the time, um, because we mostly see each other when we're scheduled, and sometimes we hang out outside of work. But beyond that, I don't have somebody to talk about this stuff with. And I don't want to just hop on Reddit because sometimes that's a very antagonistic type of experience. Um, So I figured, why not just talk to myself in my room and hope that people want to listen to it? So that's why I wanted to make this. And I'm finally glad to be doing this because I've had this cooking up in my brain for a while. But anyway, let's cut to the chase and we'll talk about the major news from this week. There are going to be Miss Marvel spoilers in this first part. I'm going to try and put uh, timestamps in the descriptions so that you're able to jump around if you would like. Um, But yeah, those spoilers are going to start now. So 
Miss Marvel is confirmed to be a mutant in the MCU. The first mutant confirmed in the MCU because I know uh, Wanda and Pietro stuff, it was alluded to, but I think WandaVision made Wanda a witch empowered by the Infinity Stone instead of being a mutant. They could still probably make her a mutant. Her origin has changed a ton in the comics as well. But this is our first confirmation. And I guess people are arguing whether or not it's confirmation, but I mean, they played the noise. So I think that's a pretty good indication. Um, and also they're now that it's been a couple days since it's been out, or almost a week, actually, when I'm recording this, um, there has been news from writers and stuff confirming that. So yes, mutation is a thing. I think where the theories lie is, are they going to mix mutants and inhumans or are inhumans going to be their own thing or will we not have inhumans in this universe i think that's where the question lies but kamal herself is definitely a mutant and i am just like still so happy for this news to come out ever since 2019 um and watching that comic con panel talking about all the stuff to come right after Endgame, and we're all super excited for all the new stuff, and then the pandemic happens, but anyway. Um, and we get a tease about mutants saying they are on their way to the MCU, but we don't know really how they're going to fit in yet. I mean, that's not what he said, but that's what the fan kind of reaction was, because um, it's not like a movie or TV show got announced that was specifically about mutants. He just kind of mentioned it at the end with the Fantastic Four as well, I believe. Um, and yeah, so... It's been a long time coming. We've had some teases. We had the WandaVision stuff with uh, Pietro from the Fox X-Men movies in there. And uh, there's been a couple of other theories that people have had when pretty much every property has come out. um, Or every piece of media, I guess I should say, that has come out since then. um, Talking about how mutants are going to fit in the MCU. Well, now we have a way in there. Um, and Inhumans fans, yes, there are some, I guess, are pissed. I think some comic people are kind of mad about it. Um, even though I consider myself a comic person and I am fine with it, which we'll explain later. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fans are worried that this is going to erase some of the Inhuman stuff that happened in that show because there's some characters that people really like from that show. I've not watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. yet, but (laughs) I like supporting Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fans because there are people that are so mad that it's a thing that it it exists and that Feige hasn't come out and directly said that it's not canon or whatever. So, um, yeah, we have that major change. And there have been a lot of changes with her... Uh, like powers and stuff like that through this show. I did predict that there was going to be inhuman stuff in this show. I just figured that was the way that they were going. I actually predicted that um, in Multiverse of Madness that Black Bolt was going to appear because I knew the Illuminati was going to show up um, based off of the trailer. And I was like, oh, they're going to put Black Bolt in there and they're probably going to use the actor from that show. That was my prediction before. While everyone else was talking about Tom Cruise, I was team Black Bolt's going to be in Multiverse Madness, and I was correct. Um, Also, one of the coolest death scenes of all time. Maybe not of all time, but it was pretty cool. And 
because I knew Ms. Marvel was coming out shortly after Multiverse of Madness, I was like, oh, that's, this is the way they can probably tie it in. Because I knew Xavier was going to be in Multiverse of Madness, and they were going to have Black Bolt, and they were going to have a Reed Richards, probably, which they ended up having as well. I knew that, um, you know, it was uh, going to be a possibility that we were soon going to get introductions for Inhumans and Mutants and Fantastic Four, like in the next couple of years. This is not the way that I expected them to do it, but I am happy nonetheless. I'm not even like a huge Inhumans fan. I It's not that I'm not a fan of theirs. It's not like I dislike them because I just don't know enough about them. I didn't watch the show. I didn't, I don't really read their comics, at least not right now. It's not saying I would never. Um, I have read some stuff with Black Bolt, and obviously I've read the first run of Miss Marvel from 2014, um, where that storyline plays out. So I know a little bit about it in that sense, but I think because of, you know, in humans, so you probably already heard this if you're paying attention to like a lot of Marvel shows and stuff like I do um, on YouTube and podcasts and stuff, um, you would know or if you just have been a comic fan for this long, you would also know this. But at some point, Ike Perlmutter, who's a head at Marvel, I think he still is, but he's in different departments than Feige at this point. Um, but he said, no more mutants popping up as new characters in comics. You have to make them in humans because we're not going to give new IP for somebody else to profit off of because Fox still had the rights to make movies off of them. And Marvel was going to go with Inhumans in order to, like, have a property of their own. This is before they merged. So, I think because of the way they were pushed in, like, a kind of, like, not a shady business practice, I guess, but just, like, a little smarmy one. I guess that's a word I can use. Um, Instead of, you know having people naturally come up with stories and make them the best that they can be. It was kind of like forced upon writers and stuff like that. Um, And because of that, and because of the treatment that Inhumans have gotten so far in media, namely the TV show that ended up not being that great, and a movie for the MCU that was cancelled, I was hoping that they would get the chance to be great. Like the MCU has given the chance for a lot of things to be great. And they've had some misses too, especially with a lot of their villains, but you know what I mean. So that's kind of why I wanted them to, you know, kind of like the underdog, rooting for the underdog. I wanted them to have their moment um, in the MCU. And because Kamala is now a mutant and not an inhuman, I don't look at it as I don't look at it as them not getting their moment. I think their moment could still happen, whether or not the theories are correct that they're kind of combining the two anyway or not. Because we still don't know. Not we know that Kamal's a mutant, but we don't know how. Um, we don't know like what activated her mutant abilities, things like that. I guess you could say the bangle activated them, but that's not for sure. I guess it's just kind of a theory until it gets confirmed. Um, but given what the show has showed us. It's probably a good guess, maybe. Um, But that would just be really different from how we've seen mutant powers being activated in the past, which is like puberty or stressful events. If there's something like an object that has to activate your powers or like, you know, what else could it be? But anyway, um, yeah, I think 
maybe combining them so that we still have good in humans that people like, like the characters that people enjoy, while also having mutants and X-Men and maybe characters who the authors wanted to be mutants, like Kamala, but they had to switch it because of this like rule placed on people who made comic books at the time. Um, if we can have the MCU version be more true to what the original author is intended, then I love that as well. Then that's not going against the comics. That's being able to fulfill something that the comics couldn't have, which I think is good. And also just like the inhuman part of Kamala was never my favorite part of her, especially because her story is so tied to culture I thought that the Inhuman stuff kind of took away from that because the Inhumans were like, yeah, you can be amongst your people on the moon or whatever the fuck. And it's like, yeah, okay, but like, what about her family and stuff that she, like her real family and stuff that she cares about? Like, it was just kind of weird, if you know know what I'm trying to say. Um, Like, it took away from the story that we love so much from this Miss Marvel TV show about family and culture and friends and all that community, basically. Um, it kind of takes away from that or it adds like an extra layer that's kind of weird. So I like the change. I think that comics and the movies and TV shows and stuff can stand on their own and can both be good for their own reasons. Not every departure from source material is bad. Sometimes things just have to make better sense, especially when you're talking about an entire universe, which is something that Amon Valani has said herself. Um, so I'm kind of repeating her words there. But I agree. Um, and like I said, if it's more true to what the creator originally intended, then I'm absolutely all for that, um, which I think has been pretty much confirmed as well by news articles that have been released. But yeah, like I said, I was not expecting it to be in this show, even though looking back, it was kind of obvious um, that that's what it was going to be because the DDOC, especially the woman who's the woman from Orange is the New Black, the one that owns the prison or whatever, I forgot her name in this show, um, in this show, and I guess I forgot her name in Orange is the New Black, but um, you know who I'm talking about, the racist one. She um, and the DDOC just in general reminded me of like uh, the anti-mutant propaganda machine that's in the comics that we've seen in the movies as well that have come out um, with Fox. And we've also probably seen it in TV shows, like the animated shows and stuff like that as well. I just haven't watched them. Uh, Spoiler alert. (laughs) Anyway. But yeah, because they say enhanced individuals a lot, like a lot, a lot, where the, to the point where they want you to clearly pay attention to this word, especially in the finale. They said it a couple times and I'm like, they're saying this word a lot. Are they talking about mutants? Because if they're not, like if Kamal's not a mutant, I could see them still having that sentiment towards mutants. So this is probably laying the groundwork for that. Because the only other time the MCU has used enhanced individual, at least in the movies, because I think I saw some comments saying that in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. they clarify the definition, but like I said, I haven't seen that show, and I'm not discounting it because it was set in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm just saying I haven't seen it myself. But in all the movies, I think the only other time that they mention Enhanced Individual is when it's in Ultron with Wanda and Pietro, um, 
which was clearly a reference to them being mutants, even though at the time that Ultron came out, they couldn't say that because they didn't have the rights yet. This was before the merger when Fox was still making X-Men movies. So that should have been a clue right there, I guess. But for some reason, I wasn't thinking it. I was just thinking, wow, this reminds me a lot of things that I've seen towards the X-Men or mutants in general, I should say. And so I wonder if this is kind of laying the groundwork for that sentiment. Did not expect it to be, you know, actual mutants at the end of it, but I like it nonetheless. It's also weird that, like, the Department of Damage Control is really interesting in all the things that we've seen them in because we know that they originally were intended by Stark to clean up after these disasters that happened, like the Battle of New York or whatever. And then in Far From Home, we see them um, investigating Peter being accused of killing Mysterio, which was also weird. Um, I saw an interesting theory on Reddit, actually, where someone was saying that they did that because they were doing Spider-Man a favor. Because, as you noticed in the movie, the uh, case was dropped, like, immediately. So their thinking was that the DDOC took over because it would have been a different jurisdiction. Like, why would the DDOC be the one investigating that? But that they volunteered to take over because it was a superhuman issue. Um... And intentionally, like, messed up the investigation so that it wouldn't go anywhere. So that Spider-Man could be let off the hook. Which I think is pretty interesting. I never thought about that before. But that would be kind of cool. Because, again, then they would still be doing damage control. They would be cleaning up after the mess, just in a different way than, like, actually physically cleaning up after uh, the mess of superheroes and villains. But in this show, they're go trying to capture enhanced individuals which starts with the clandestines they take from the wedding which is like really weird because now that i'm thinking about it i'm literally just thinking about this now but like why do they care like it's not like kamala was doing something that was like causing a lot of destruction i mean yeah that kid broke his leg or whatever but it's not like she's like destroying buildings or buildings are being destroyed because she's trying to save the day at least not at that point i guess later (laughs) that kind of happens but it just makes no sense for them to go after her Maybe I need to rewatch the season again. I'm going to say this right now. There probably was not a good reason. Because there was a couple of weird things with the clandestines and the villain stuff of this show. Like there usually is with these. But yeah, interesting. Anyway, that just like made me completely lose track of where I was. But yeah, it's really interesting that they went from doing that stuff to now they're trying to capture them. And they took them to, like, jail. Like, they went to prison. The clandestines were. Even though it was very easy for them to escape. But, like, that's just such an escalation. That's weirdly unexplained, I guess? I'm not sure. But, yeah, I think we're definitely going to need to learn more about this organization. 
and how they're operating, especially now that Tony Stark is gone. And I'm sure we will see that in the future. At least I hope. But anyway, now we have mutants in the MCU. What does this mean big picture-wise? How are other mutants going to be introduced? Where are they going to go with this? I wanted to use this as a prompt for this section of the podcast because, like I said, I am going to be reviewing um, the show as a whole on YouTube, like I've reviewed stuff in the past. So I'm not going to go into like the nitty-gritty details in that sense, but I do want to talk about kind of bigger picture stuff with this. So one thing is like, have mutants always been here? Like I've said, we've seen before that mutant powers are activated by high-stress situations or at puberty. Is that the same in the MCU? But then we have the bangle and the Nord dimension. Amon, on her AMA that she did on the Marvel Studios subreddit, kind of is theorizing, because apparently she doesn't really have the information either, so she said she's theorizing with the rest of us, is that her mutant power is the ability to wield the Nor. And we know from the show that the bangle activated that power for her. So until we get more information, I guess it's safe to say that the bangle activated her power and that's what her power is. Thinking about Kamala being a mutant made me curious about how they're going to handle Namor. Because that did get, not spoiled, I guess. I guess this is common knowledge. But again, like I said, I don't really look at leaks. I don't look at press that much. I'm probably going to be looking into it a lot more just for this podcast. But... Before this, I never really looked into things that much. Sometimes I look at set photos. That's about it. But Namor, I think, is pretty much all but confirmed. I think he's cast as well in Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, which is supposedly coming out November 11th, I believe. Um, And Namor is known as the first mutant, or whatever, Marvel's first mutant. Although we didn't find out that he was a mutant until couple or few decades probably in the comics i want to say it was house of m that gave us that information (laughs) but maybe it was before that because i'm not like the most expert of comics i'm still reading a lot of stuff um there's a lot of story points that i have not gotten to yet but anyway he becomes known as the first mutant in the marvel universe um to be introduced because namor was being in comics before the 60s even, just like Captain America was in comics earlier. Um, Namor was the same, and also the original Human Torch. But anyway, he, like Kamala, is half human and half, well, he's Atlantean. Is Atlantis, this is what I was thinking, is Atlantis going to be another dimension just like Taolo and the Nor and whatever else? Because there was a new Rockstars video that Eric Voss made where he was talking about how all of the afterlifes could be connected. Like the ancestral plane from Black Panther, the Field of Reeds from Moon Knight, Valhalla from Thor. Um, and are they also dimensions kind of like these other things that we've been talking about? And I think he used the term realm or dimension. The terms are very confusing. I think they're even confusing in the stuff that Marvel's putting out. But... I do know, I don't know much about the Namor stuff that has been confirmed or leaked, but I do know that they're going to go for a very cultural background as well. I think he's supposed to be indigenous Mexico or indigenous from Mexico. 
I think, like, Aztec or Mayan or something like that. Don't quote me on that, but I think there's some sort of cultural background like that, which is cool. But it got me also thinking that maybe there's some connections to Kamala's story, and we're going to see some similar things with Namor. So... I don't think he'll have, like, the glowy powers that Kamala has in the show. His powers are going to be different, but I think their backgrounds are going to be similar. I could see him having some sort of accessory, maybe. Like a bangle, whatever. Where this is his only connection to Atlantis. Because in the comics, he was kind of, like, ostracized. He was kind of, like, kicked out, I think. Um... But I think a story that they could go for here is that he's lost. He's been lost, or he's gotten lost, that's a better way to phrase that, from Atlantis. He can't find his home. Maybe colonization in Mexico slash South America is going to be kind of like the reason for that happening. This would fit into themes that we've seen in like Eternals, for example, when we saw um, some other stuff in I want to was that also Mexico or was that South America I can't remember it's been a while since I've seen Eternals but um what the frick is his name uh (laughs) Makari and what's the guy's name anyway the guy that can control people (laughs) um when he says that they're being colonized or whatever like he makes a comment of something like that how it's not right and he wants to help them. But they're not supposed to interfere. And then also we saw these themes in Miss Marvel and stuff like that. Of how colonization can impact cultures. So that could be a side to things that we see in uh, Namor's introduction as well. In his background. And so maybe this artifact that he has. Or this accessory that he has. Connects him to that dimension in the same way that... Um, Kamala is connected to the Nord dimension. The only reason why I think they're going to make Atlantis a dimension in the MCU is because the MCU, even now, tries tries its hardest to kind of base things in reality, especially stuff that happens on Earth. So I just can't see them making Atlantis a real place. They could. Maybe I could be wrong. But if I was going to guess anything, I would guess that it would be another dimension, kind of like Taolo or whatever. But also... Shang-Chi is half human, half part of this other dimension, being Taolo. And he's not a mutant. I don't think they're going to make him a mutant. So I don't think the fact that Kamala and Namor share this half and half thing is why they're both going to be mutants. I think that's going to be a coincidence. But I'm going to guess that his mutant powers are going to be stemming from a similar thing, potentially. Maybe he doesn't even need an artifact or an accessory. Maybe it's just like his blood... (laughs) connects him to his home or something like that so the only other theorizing that i've done when it comes to x-men besides that tangent i went on with namor and kind of thinking about miss marvel stuff like before this miss marvel reveal even happened um i thought that the obvious choice for them to do would be to have slowed aging but slowed aging is kind of weird right because Our first mutant that we're introduced to is a child. Um, She's 16, I think, in the show. But I don't know if this is dumb. Maybe this is. (laughs) But I was like, okay, what if you age normally until you're 
pretty much stop developing, like when your brain stops developing and everything else in your mid-20s, what if that was when the rest of your aging was slower? Like, is that too much? Is that weird? <laughs> because then you could solve the problem where, like, Kamala's not going to be a child forever, or for a long time at least. Um, I guess I should say for a lot longer than normal, because um, obviously the actress is going to look older um, down the line. But it would also help with older X-Men like Magneto or Professor Xavier. But we don't even know how they're going to come into the fold, which will be interesting. That's like the major question that I have. Because I do agree with everybody that um, Magneto's story with the Holocaust is important at this point. It hasn't always been something associated with this character, at least not for the first couple of decades of the X-Men. But it is something at this point that is so important and I don't know how you just replace it with another, like, um, genocidal thing, even though genocide has happened in many places all over the world to different groups at varying degrees. I just think it's such a strong message that most people can understand because a lot of people are exposed to World War II era stuff and also it kind of picks up thematically in the times that we are now when there's like a rise of nazi-like behavior and ideology that's becoming very popularized so i think it could be very powerful to have that which is why i also thought that if they didn't want to do the slower aging or if they didn't want to make some excuses as to why magneto hasn't um been in the story this whole time in the mcu so far I thought that maybe instead of being a survivor of the Holocaust, being the son of somebody who survived the Holocaust or something like that, because then it shows generational trauma and how things that happen to our great, great, great grandfathers or whatever, even our fathers, whatever, how that can still affect people. Because that is also a thing that's growing in psychology and I think even health sciences. There was a study that was done um, where if you have, if you're a descendant from someone who survived the potato famine, your body clings on to fat, I guess, um, because your body is wanting you to survive a famine if you're not eating the nutrients that you need. Um, so they could do like a generational trauma story, but I don't know how people are going to feel about that because I feel like people don't really understand that that's a thing and I think it could just cause some issues I wouldn't necessarily mind taking that direction but I think maybe there's an unnecessary criticism slash conversation that we don't want to distract from the story that's trying to be told but yeah having like we've already had characters that defy aging obviously the Eternals are robots um and Sam not Sam, sorry. I said Sam and Bucky. Whoops, Steve and Bucky um, were frozen, I guess. And that's why they survived the whole time. Um, so I, uh, it's at least being a man of time, quote unquote, is not 
a concept that you would have to introduce audiences to. But does it get old having a ton of characters be that man out of time story? When I don't necessarily think it's been done super well in the MCU. I've talked about that before on YouTube with um, the tier list that I did for the MCU. It's one of my biggest gripes with Captain America and how he's been portrayed. Not that I think they've done a terrible job with Captain America, but... I think being a man out of time, they didn't really, like, do anything interesting with that. And his story ended up him just going back in time and living his life at the end of Endgame. So it's like there wasn't really anything interesting happening with that story. But anyway, that's another tangent. Um, But yeah, it it doesn't feel lazy to me to have mutants not age the same way as humans. Because if you're homo superior... You're going to be superior in more than just the ways that we've seen so far, I would imagine. Um, also, if we do like the slow aging thing, where, you know, my convoluted idea that uh, you only stop aging at the same rate as everyone else once you're fully developed in your mid-20s, it would kind of add an interesting dynamic to Kamala and Bruno's relationship um, and how like they can't be together, but they love each other, which is something that was also done really well in the comics, at least the 2014 run that I read. I need to read more of Miss Marvel to see where the characters go, but I thought that that was done so beautifully at the end of that run, how they talk about Kamala and Bruno. And um, I think if her being a mutant made it so that they couldn't necessarily live their lives together as they would have expected normally, then it just kind of adds to that story. But yeah, anyway, please go read Miss Marvel. Um, It's great. So yeah, like I said, slow aging would also help characters like Magneto. Um, And then after Multiverse of Madness, speaking of Magneto, I thought it an interesting way to bring Scarlet Witch back. I mean, Wanda, I guess I should call her. Um, Bringing Wanda back because she's not dead, right? Like, I'm pretty sure the movie... People keep saying the movie wanted us to think that she was dead, but that glowing... Like, I think we were... Like, this is not the last we're going to see of her, obviously, because people love her. And people love Elizabeth Olsen. Elizabeth Olsen is great. So that also brings me to another thing is, like, is Wanda a mutant in the MCU? WandaVision talks about her being a witch, which we don't really know what exactly that means in the MCU. I'm assuming we'll learn more when we see uh, Agatha's show, which is coming out next year, maybe? I'm not 100% sure. Um, But yeah, I'm sure we'll learn more about witches then. However, like I've said, Wanda's origin has been changed a lot in the comics as different stories are told with her. Um, So it wouldn't be a stretch to me to have them go back again and also confirm her as being a mutant and having the X-Gene. Because, like I said, her origin has been changed a lot in the comics as well. It's like as you learn more information about her, her past, and how she's gotten to where she is, you're going to uncover more. Um, So it's like you're learning new information. So if her mutant powers were just her having the ability of a very strong witch, then I guess it could kind of make sense with everything that we've seen so far. Sorry about the cars outside. I moved into 
the living room so you can probably hear um the chair that I'm sitting in as well but anyway um but yeah so like what does Agatha know about mutants you know um it's like she sees somebody obviously displaying the powers as a witch she's going to assume that they're a witch and not that their mutant powers are them being able to use magic so it wouldn't be a stretch to say that um she is a mutant in the mcu if they end up going down that route but if they do end up going down that route then i think it would be cool as a way for her to come back into things is meeting up with magneto because magneto is all about you know not being understood for having powers and um, they'll never accept you and things like that and i think somebody like that could get into wanda's head at this point do we want to see her be a villain again that's the thing you know we'll see how the story continues to unfold but i just thought that would be kind of an interesting way it's something that i thought of after i saw multiverse of madness and i think elizabeth olsen actually does have a contract for more appearances i think i know they're not doing that as much anymore like they used to i know their contracts are shorter and they're just renegotiating a lot more often but i swear i heard in an interview somewhere because after movies come out and after shows come out that's when i watch all the press stuff on my youtube recommended and i swear in one of the interviews she said that but i could have dreamt that or misunderstood or something but i swear i heard that somewhere um but yeah, besides all those things that I mentioned, I'm kind of completely at a loss for how they're going to work mutants in. It's all speculation at this point. We're all just theory crafting. Nobody has to shout at each other for dumb ideas or whatever, because we don't know. We're going to continue to learn more as the story goes on. I always thought that the snap activating mutant powers could be a really easy way for them to get involved in all of this, but... It looks like that that's not what they're going to do. I don't know, just for what, from what we've seen so far, because they didn't really talk about the blip at all in Miss Marvel. And so I don't think that's necessarily the route that they're going to go. Like, in Miss Marvel, we don't know who was snapped and who wasn't. And I think that's kind of the point. Um, I did see somebody say on Reddit that Kevin Feige told either that cast or the cast of another show, like, not to worry about that so much about like who was snapped and who wasn't just focus on telling the story that's there so there's been some theories about the bangle and the ten rings being connected because you saw the ten rings i said album whoops emblem on the floor of the ruins or wherever they were um with najma and what's her grandma's name why am i forgetting uh yeah i'm forgetting i can't remember um but yeah when they're trying to escape with the bangle or whatever um there's ten rings logo there they have similar like activations where someone else notices that there's like this beacon coming off of these things that's something that happened with the ten rings and that's kind of i'm guessing what happened here is that najma knew that the bangle had arrived uh, to Kamala or something like that. So maybe it has something to do with that. I don't know. But I kind of like that we, we all don't know. And we're all kind of in the same place of not really knowing where they're going. I think for a lot of people, and I need to make a whole video or a whole podcast about this as well. It's like Endgame really ruined people's expectations about these movies. It's like we have to build up to another event like that. This is a build up. Things 
hopefully, if Marvel continues to do what they've been doing, will build up to pay off eventually. But people are waiting for connections, I think, too soon. And I know there's the argument that, like, we've had so much more hours of content this phase than we have in all the other previous phases phases maybe even combined maybe not maybe that's a stretch but we've had a lot of hours of content so far and we're not seeing too many connections i think people are exaggerating when they're saying we're not seeing that many connections because i personally think that we are the first one that we've been introduced to in phase four was wandavision and we've already seen that be continued in multiverse of madness and captain america 4 is coming out and falcon and the winter soldier was the next show so we're gonna see how that's going to continue on like, these things are connecting. We saw uh, Florence Pugh, Yelena. I don't know why I couldn't think of her character's name. Um, Yelena was in Hawkeye, and so that was connected. Like, things are still connecting. It's just not going to be in that huge, uh, like, what's the word I'm looking for? A huge, like, spectacle, like Endgame was. Um, it's, this, it's something that we have to build to. And so... I like that we're kind of in this mysterious, I don't really know what's going on um, part of things. I like all the theories that people are coming up with about like what kind of stories they're going to go down next. And that's fun to me. For some people, I think they just need to be more casual about not necessarily thinking that they have to watch everything until, you know, a movie like Endgame or something is going to come out. And then they're like, okay, well, so what do I have to watch in order to enjoy this? Like, they need to be that type of fan at this point if they're not going to be along for the ride. And that's not to say that, like, oh, you're not a true fan because you don't like any of the content that's coming out in Phase 4. I think you're definitely entitled to your opinions and things like that but i think at some point you have to think is like this bringing me joy why do i still think that i'm into this thing if i'm not having fun with it anymore like it's okay to step away find other hobbies and things like that i feel like a lot of times people and you see this with like youtubers and stuff too when they change directions of their channel it's like people have this selfish tendency to think well things have to be how i want them because i've been a fan of this thing which is not necessarily the case um, content grows, we grow as people, growth is what life is all about. But anyway, <laughs> again, another weird tangent, but that's basically what this show is. So yeah, I, I definitely um, wanted this slow burn, especially for mutants. Um, so hopefully we see some more teases and get some more breadcrumbs like this before we see like an actual X-Men project, or even just like a show focusing on one mutant in particular, which I guess is what Miss Marvel was, but obviously that wasn't revealed. But if we got like a Wolverine show in 2024, then that would feel kind of rushed to me. Like, take our time. Take our time. But yeah, I'm very hyped to see this Comic-Con panel happening this week. Um, and I guess we'll see then if we're getting any full mutant stories. I did watch a video where apparently there might be a Wolverine show in the works. We don't know how true or not that is, because you know how leaks go. Um, but I'm really hoping for the slow burn. And I also do want to see the original X-Men and have them done justice. I like Angel, um, Cyclops, Jean Grey, Beast, Iceman. I just want everyone to be done well. Because none of the original X-Men have been done well in the movies at all, in my opinion. They've all been done a disservice. Jean, for sure, because her story is always rushed. And I'm not even necessarily faulting the actresses who have played Jean either, because I really liked both of them. I don't really have any problems with either of them. Um, but Iceman was not 
who Ice Man's supposed to be. Angel definitely was not who Angel was supposed to be. And even Beast. Like, I know Beast was a huge role in the new generation movies. Um, and Days of Future Past is my favorite. But I still think that Beast was not who Beast is supposed to be. And the Cyclops obviously has not really been done well either. And maybe in that new generation movies, if they kept going with those, maybe he would have done better. Um, but yeah, definitely in like the James Marsden ones, I didn't really like what they gave James Marsden to work with. But yeah, so hopefully we'll see some good original X-Men content. I'm hoping. I don't know. I think it would be cool if that the fact that the X or not the X-Men, sorry, mutants in general that we're going to be introduced to, if they stayed with the teenager theme for a while, that could be really interesting and a new approach because that is kind of what mutants are all about. It's these powers come when you're going through puberty, which is a teenager thing, or when you're in a stressful situation, which can happen when you're young as well. Or can often happen when you're young as well. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I feel like X-Men properties, at least the Fox movies, I should say, have not really do- dove into the teenage aspect. Will people think that that means that there's too many young heroes that the MCU is focusing on? I mean, maybe. It's kind of a weird complaint, but people complain about everything. But the comment that the DDOC lady said, where she's like, oh, the wrong people are getting powers, we know what she meant. But when she corrected herself and she said, no, I meant kids, I was like, this might be a way for them to cover their prejudices against mutants in general, because kids are more unpredictable and volatile. Teenagers are always blamed for things. Teenagers are always demonized by society as being rebellious and not doing what they're supposed to do. Like, they're always complained about every generation of teenagers that comes up. And people, or society, I should say, in general, loves controlling young people and teenagers. And so I think that would be an interesting way to ground it in reality a little bit. Um, And why there's such a different view on mutants versus other superheroes. Because now that they we've done like the chords stuff with regular superheroes, having that differentiation between mutants and superheroes and the public's perception of both of them is going to be really important to have. But we have to we definitely have to talk more about the accords. What is the status of that in a post endgame world? I don't really think we've gotten answers for that yet. Like in Falcon and Winter Soldier, I don't think they really had any answers for that. And I don't think they have in any other property either. Except in Hawkeye, we do know that people idolize these heroes. The first responders, the firefighters and police officers who are helping everybody get out of the building have to put on costumes in order for people to listen to them. Which is a good viewpoint on like what the state of that world is. A world that has superheroes and has been through so much. But other than that, we haven't gotten any like direct stuff when it comes to the relationship between governments and superheroes. And so I think telling those distinct stories about how other superheroes and mutants and their experiences with governments and with the people in general is going to be really interesting to dive into, especially because we haven't seen 
this happen on screen yet in this is gonna be the first time that we have mutants and avengers in like the same properties um interacting with each other on screen which has never really happened before um in like a live action context so it'll be really interesting um and yeah like i said it's gonna be interesting to see how the older mutants and like wolverine and stuff like how that's gonna work how they're going to attack those things are mutants just gonna be a new thing have there not been mutants throughout time and what does that mean um it's yeah it's a really interesting thought process to like theorize and think about um because like how do you justify them not helping but if they've experienced oppression in the past then obviously they would be in hiding and maybe wouldn't want themselves to be known so but then yeah because kind of like isaiah bradley maybe the government secretly has known about mutants this whole time and has mistreated them and so now mutants are kind of in hiding or maybe the government thought that they got rid of all mutants but they've been in hiding it could be something sinister like that um i do i really want like and i'm i think in one of the topics we're going to talk about after this i'll talk about this a little bit more but i would like if the fantastic four movie was uh, like a prequel like it happened in like the 60s um and that we can see like i don't know some more but then they would be out of time characters too wouldn't they but anyway um i just think building up the history of the mcu is interesting and i feel like with fantastic four and with the x-men and mutants coming into things we can explore that part as well as the future of course and if you go with the like something activated mutants like the snap or whatever if that's something that you're using then would you even have mutants that have already been around for decades or is the snap activating like new mutants that maybe their powers otherwise wouldn't have been activated like maybe they were dormant or something we'll see and if the ending of miss marvel is any hint in how they're going to portray things in the future the answer is probably we won't see the answer coming and we'll be surprised so then we also got the post credit scene with Brie Larson herself, and this podcast is a pro-MSU podcast because I think all that is bullshit. <laughs> if you disagree, and you happen to be listening to this for some reason, um, I'm sure there are plenty of other YouTubers and podcasters for you to watch, but here we talk about uh, diversity and like representation and we talk about all those things we can also talk about how the mcu is kind of sexless and how nobody has these like romantic interactions really or it's like very subdued like we can talk about all these things right um and yeah that's just one of my pet peeves and i know that's a huge portion of the marvel fan base which is kind of weird because marvel comics have while marvel comics have definitely been problematic in their quest for inclusion they've never ever shied away from inclusion so anyway uh we also stand brie larson my very brief opinions on all of that is body language analysis is incredibly flawed it's often used as confirmation bias there's also a lot of racism and sexism um that can creep up in our body language interpretations because cultural context mental health things like that aren't really taken into account in mainstream body language analysis videos that are going to get clicks on youtube 
I have a lot more thoughts on that, but that's how we can sum it up for right now. So if you think that you have the ability to watch an interview with people that you've never met and who are actors, they're performers, and you think you know their dynamics and who they are as people, then I think you're a moron. Simply put, I think you're a moron. And I think you need to go outside and meet some real people. Anyway, (laughs) um, that being said, for me, I thought Captain Marvel was just okay. It's not my top tier of MCU movies, but it's not bottom tier either for me. It's kind of in the middle. Um, I don't really like amnesia plots. I've talked about that before. Um, So that's really the major issue that I have with it. It's just not fun to me. Like, we have to watch this character go through the self-discovery process. And then we barely even see them be themselves until the end of the movie. I don't really like stuff like that. It's also a huge criticism I've had of No Way Home. I think it's just kind of an easy way out. It's a cop-out. Um... I've also never really been a fan of Cree scroll stuff. I'm not really like a space person when it comes to Marvel comics. I don't know why. I'm very Earth-based. I have a bias of Earth stuff, I guess. Um, that, or that, that's just what I happen to read. Uh, it's not like I have like an aversion to space things. Like I've said before, I like Guardians of the Galaxy. So like, yeah. Um, but yeah, this just was not some of my favorite stuff in there. But there was also a lot that I did like. I thought the movie was enjoyable. I had no idea what to expect because I hadn't even read comics at that point and I was just getting into the movies when Captain Marvel was coming out. But I was in it the whole way through, like the twists and the cool backstory and stuff like that. I was really into. Um, I really like when projects can fill in gaps like I had just talked about. Um, so I liked that Captain Marvel could do that and I think we need more of that done in creative ways. So I'm really excited to see how Brie Larson's character develops because we haven't seen her on screen since Endgame and when she filmed Endgame I think that was before she even filmed Captain Marvel so she wasn't really sure of where she wanted the character to go and now that the character is sure of herself and Brie has had more time I think that um people will I'm sure there will be a lot of bad faith actors that say that it's still not good but I think a lot of people will be surprised in how they like her character in this movie coming up I also really liked Monica Rambeau and WandaVision, so I'm really interested to see those plot threads, um, because it's been alluded to that, like, Monica has hard feelings towards, um, I almost said (laughs) Brie, Carol is her name, um, and especially because, like, her mom had cancer and Brie wasn't there, oh my god, why do I keep calling her her actress's name? (laughs) Carol wasn't there, um, and so that'll be interesting to see played out on screen. I also cannot wait for Monica to suit up. I cannot wait to see what the final suit looks like. It's going to be super cool. And I also love Ms. Marvel, which we talked about. I'm also going to talk about that in my review. So I'm really excited to see all three of them uh, team up. And I really like that um, Brie Larson made an appearance in this and the director of the Marvels also filmed that end credit scene. Um, but yeah, I just really like... Brie seems like she's down to do whatever when it comes to Carol. So I think it's cool that we see her in like these different projects. That like maybe another actor wouldn't make the time to do... Even if they do like the role that they play in the MCU, maybe they're just like, well, I want to do like some other stuff. I don't want to just do this constantly. I feel like Brie's down for anything because she appreciates the responsibility that she has as a role model and she really enjoys her fans if you see her interact with her young fans on like red carpets and stuff like that it's always really adorable so yeah i really like how she 
enjoys being that um, figure in entertainment as a whole, I guess. And then there was this huge debate, if you want to call it that, of people not understanding that Carol and Kamala switch places at the end, uh, or in this post credit scene, I should say. I was going to say at the end of the show. Anyway, um, and I need to rant about this because it is blowing my mind. Now that I'm actually somebody who reads comics, I see things that other people don't see, which sounds like such a comic reader thing to say. Like, oh, I read the comics, meh. But <laughs> this whole situation is being played out as comic readers are looking for things that aren't there and the mcu is not the comic so why do you have these expectations and blah 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 and i just want to say that people claiming to be comic readers who confused this post-credit scene and will not let it go are giving all the rest of us a bad name because just because you don't have reading comprehension skills and you don't want to hear any counter-arguments does not mean that we're all like that. And it's just making me mad. So anyway, let me explain. So in the Miss Marvel comic, Miss Marvel shapeshifts into Captain Marvel in her quote-unquote old costume, when I think she was called Miss Marvel. I don't really know the whole Captain Marvel saga, though. But this was because Kamala did not see herself as a hero. She thinks that heroes have to look like Captain Marvel, which we kind of got the whole brown girl from Jersey City vibe in. I don't. Did she say that in the show? She definitely said it in the trailer. Now I can't remember, remember if that was in the show, but it is an arc we see her go through in the show is realizing that she can be a hero and be herself and be her complete self, like be still have connection to her culture and dress like she wants to dress she doesn't have to fit some sort of societal expectation of what a hero is especially what a female hero is that's the whole literally the whole arc of the show literally you watch the show that's what you get in the comic like i said this shape-shifting happen thing happens first because okay so the terrigen bomb happens she's in the cocoon she comes out of the cocoon as captain marvel because i think she makes a wish or something and that's what happens and then she realizes that, like, oh, like, I, I can't be, like, I don't want to walk around looking like Captain Marvel, like, what's going on? Like, she's freaking out, and it's kind of like a, a whole thing that happens in the beginning of the comic. And I will emphasize the fact that I'm saying the beginning of the comic before she steps into her own power and accepts herself and becomes Miss Marvel, basically. And I've actually seen people use that as a defense for why they got things confused. They're like, oh, well, she shapeshifts into her in the comics. Yes, but you're missing the complete context as to why that happens. Let's not be simple-minded. Let's use our critical thinking skills. Let's use our reading comprehension. It happens because she, like I said, is not confident in herself being a hero. So then why, after an entire season of watching Kamala step into being Miss Marvel, literally in the finale episode, we watch her get her name and her costume from her parents. And we see her fully step into that role. 
Even in the episode before that, we see her fully step into that role. So why on earth would a plot point that the whole thematic point of that plot point is that she's not confident in herself? Why would we see that as the post-credit scene to this show that we watched? Did you watch the show? Did you actually read the comic? Did you understand what you were seeing and what you were reading? Clearly not, because... And I understand that, like... I think it was a nod to the comics. I think, yes, it was a swap because it was clearly filmed that way. Brie Larson wasn't looking at her body in a mirror or anything, wondering who she was and saying, like, what just happened or who am I? She looked at all the posters around the room and was like, where am I? That and they're like, oh, well, she looked at her hands like she didn't know who she was. She's looking at her hands because there was purple glow coming off them. And so I understand, like, seeing that nod to the comics, that Easter egg, if you will. I think the MCU has done a really bad job of not differentiating Easter eggs and, like, I guess breadcrumbs for future plot points. I think any Easter egg can be turned into a breadcrumb. And that's the Marvel way. But, anyway. Yeah, I am very confused. As to why this became such a big thing, the fact that they had to come out with articles clarifying the fact that it was a swap and not a shapeshift. Like I said, I think it definitely was a nod to the comics. But, and so maybe the pers- the people who were confused, they were excited because they're like, oh, that's like the comics, oh my god. But then you would have to have completely shut off your brain for the entire rest of that scene to not understand what's happening in front of you. Like I said, I read the comic and I didn't even think that it was a shapeshift thing until I went on Reddit and looked at the thread and looked at everybody confused. So I don't want this to turn into a comic people are dumb and have weird expectations because they read comics thing. Because these are just idiots. And you can be an idiot and read comics, you can be an idiot and not read comics. That's just my point. And that was the rant that I wanted to go on. But anyway, that is our top story. All the Miss Marvel stuff. And it's actually, I started recording this Monday, but it's actually Tuesday when I'm finishing recording this. So like I said, this episode is going on very late. Um, so I will have something happening this week as well. But like I said, I want to, I want things to be weekly. And when we have big stories like this, it's probably going to be the majority of the show. But I do want to do some other fun things for the rest of the show. I know we've been going for a while, and I don't want to make this the longest episode in history. But I am going to do segments where I'm taking prompts from Reddit posts on the Marvel Studios subreddit and then talking about them expanding upon them, talking about the cool ideas that people have, talking about the dumb ideas people have. I'm not going to give out usernames, like Reddit usernames of people who have made these posts or comment because Reddit users are weird and they will look people up and harass them. So I don't want to contribute to any of that. But I'm not going to also, I'm also not going to pass off these ideas as my own. This is very clearly a let me read Reddit and then talk about what I'm seeing. So it will be very clear that I'm like not talking about my own ideas. And if there is like specific fan art or specifically like unique theory or something, and I feel like I should credit the person, then I might. But like I said, it's, it's mostly just to protect people because 
people on Reddit are weird and will look up old posts and make weird comments about stuff. So we don't want to do all that. But anyway, this was a really good post that I saw this weekend, I think. Um, and it basically was like, you bump into Kevin Feige and he asks you to pitch a Marvel series or movie. What are you pitching? And so for me, I want them to put Blue Marvel in the MCU. Um, Comics Explained uh, talks about this a lot. And I think... Mar- Marvel has got to stop being cowards. Disney has got to stop being cowards. And they should just do it. I think, especially after watching like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I think they could go so much farther. Is Disney going to do that? I don't know. But I just think if any time is the time for Blue Marvel, the time is now. Um, so that would be pretty cool. Um, and I've been wanting that for a little bit now. Um, especially after seeing Falcon and the Winter Soldier, that I was like, okay, we could we could go deeper with some of this stuff that we're seeing. So... Like I mentioned earlier, another idea that I have, and this is not also not really a unique idea because I know I've seen other people say similar things, but I definitely agree with them, is that I want the Fantastic Four movie to be kind of like a period piece, I guess. I want it to have the aesthetic of like the Jetsons type of futuristic vibe, like what people during that time thought the future was going to look like. And maybe like, I know like... <laughs> Do we want everybody to be a man out of time is the question. Maybe not, but I feel like maybe they were a team in the 60s and then they go on another mission, a rocket to outer space, just like the one that gave them their powers, and then maybe they get lost in kind of like a quantum realm scenario and what happened to uh, Janet Van Dyne. But it doesn't have to be a quantum realm is what I'm saying. It could be like just getting lost in space or something like that. Um... But, and then that's why they've been gone for so long, and then they come back, and they haven't really aged. Uh, I think that could be cool. Even though, yeah, the abandoned out of time thing is complicated, but we have to we have to work with what we got. But I just think that that would be cool, especially they dropped the didn't you chart in the 60s line in Multiverse of Madness, which of course was a joke, but I think it could be cool to have them be Marvel's first family, like for real, be Marvel's first family and have their stories start way back when that'd be cool um and then somehow they mysteriously end up in present day so then these are comments from other people and i have some thoughts on some of these so that's why i put them on here um i think one of the top comments was having a 10 episode series exploring the five years after the snap and having it be focused on like different people, I guess, because they've said it's ensemble, so I'm guessing focusing, having episodes focused on different parts of, like, the Avengers or whatever. Or maybe it's not even focused on superheroes, maybe it's focused on actual people, that could be kind of cool. Um, I like this idea more than I like the idea of watching Steve Rogers' Return of the Stones. That's always been brought up as being a cool series idea, which is something that I don't think we need to see because we saw, like, that would be, like, a short to me, or, like, a, um, I guess they want to see the Peggy stuff is really what they want to see, but I think that could be, like, a one-shot, like, make, searching that out into a whole series, because we already saw them get all the stones throughout time, you know, so I feel like while there could be some interesting things that happen when he does, like, seeing Red Skull on Vormir, meeting up with Peggy, things like that could be cool, but 
I don't know if we need that at this point, you know? So that's not one of my favorite ones. But I think setting things happening during those five years is an interesting idea. And I don't know if Marvel's going to go down that route. They haven't set anything during that five years at this point, at least not that we know of. They could throw a curveball and retcon one of the things that have come out and said that it come out or came out or happened, I should say, during the five years. And I know people are kind of done with the blip or they think that the blip is over. And like I said, they didn't mention it in Miss Marvel, so maybe it is. But I feel like it's still going to be relevant. Imagine if that happened in real life. That would be relevant until the end of time. Like, people still talk about 9-11. Not saying that 9-11 wasn't a big deal, because obviously it was. That's why people still talk about it. But, like, when something to that scale happens, it really changes things. I've also seen people talk about how, like, the tsunamis in Japan and how many people died and how that's changed a lot of, like, people have been changed by surviving and living through that event. Anything like that, that's like a huge catastrophic event, is going to change generations. And I feel like the blip, while it doesn't have to be the focus of every single story, because it's not like every single day is focused on tragedy. We have to move on and live our lives. But it's still shaping that universe, and it's going to continue to shape that universe. So I don't think they're ever going to just walk away from it completely. I think it'll find its way to be relevant at different points. So there was another idea that somebody had about, like, Tales of the Eternals, they called it. And it's an anthology that has a different member of the Eternals for each episode. It could also be, like, a secret history of the MCU, they say. Um, Kind of, like, again, things that I like, which is going back and filling in the gaps. Which I really like. A lot of people had said that this is how the Eternals should have been introduced. This should have been what their first movie was about. I have kind of different opinions about how Eternal should have been presented. However, people keep saying that it should have been a series first. I don't necessarily think so, because I think the scale that the movie was would be hard to replicate, but did we need to see that movie first? Maybe we could have had some things with the Eternals in it before then, like leading up into a movie like that. That I could see. But I see a lot of people saying that the movie itself should have been broken up into a series instead, so we had more time. But I think that same scale isn't possible in, like, a Disney Plus series. Not just visually, but just, like... I don't know. How the story was set up and things like that. Like, you'd have to change a lot of things for it to be a show. I think this could be interesting now and filling in some of our knowledge gaps about the Eternals and maybe it would make the Eternals movie even better if we cared more about the dynamics between these characters and stuff like that because I almost wish that this movie hadn't been about saving the world right away because any stakes where it's like oh the world is gonna end it's like okay yeah we survived the Thanos thing everything quote-unquote went back to normal obviously not everybody survived because people died within those five years that couldn't be brought back but like and then infrastructure and all these other crazy things that they're having to deal with but um i lost my train of thought oh yeah any stakes that you have so close to the ending of endgame 
is just gonna pale in comparison, you know? And does the world always have to be in danger of ending in order for it to be a story worth telling? I don't necessarily think so. So that's kind of the problem that I had with Eternal. So maybe if it was focused on more of a historical look on things, that could be kind of cool. Maybe setting up the fact that this was going to happen and then tackle that problem later. The Emergence, that's what it's called. I'm like, what is that event even called? I think it's The Emergence. This one I really liked because I really like Michael Douglas's Hank Pym, even though maybe he probably wouldn't play him if there was a prequel that happens before Hope was born. But I mean, they had that scene in the first Ant-Man where he was supposed to be younger, so... Anyway, um, yeah, I want to see more cool stuff with Hank Pym, which is why this intrigues me, like a prequel. Um, they pitched it as a miniseries about Hank and Janet. That could be really cool. Um, because, yeah, like I said, I, I really like the portrayal of Hank in this, and I want them to explore it more. That's why I really liked the What If episode that he ended up being the villain of. I thought the one, that was one of the best episodes. That was a really cool one. Because it was, like, mysterious. And seeing Hank as Yellow Jacket was pretty cool. Because he is kind of, like... And part of it is because of the pin particles, but he is kind of, like, a wild card crazy person. Maybe not that far. <laughs> but he gets into a lot of crazy shit in the comics. And... He's kind of an asshole. And not even kind of, like, he is an asshole. And so I could just kind of want them to explore that character more. But because, obviously, he's not the current Ant-Man, we're not seeing as much of that. So, like, a prequel thing could be pretty cool. I would be down for that. And, like I said, I love stories in the MCU that fill in the blanks. So I probably would be really into that. Another character that they haven't brought in yet, she's been in some animated stuff, but Squirrel Girl um, in live action could be pretty cool. Um, I feel like it's on the horizon. We'll probably see it eventually. Um, unless Marvel is just cowards, but yeah. Same thing with Sentry. Um, I think people are kind of split on if they think Sentry is cool or not. I think the story is kind of cool about the fact that, like, everyone forgot about him and, like, that whole part of his story. If you have no idea who Sentry is, you have no idea what I'm talking about. I haven't read this stuff with him yet. That's on my list to read soon, but I've listened to a podcast. There's a podcast called Marveling at Marvel's Marvels that goes into, like, different characters. Um, like, a character per episode. And so I've listened to that episode. And listening to the episode, it was kind of intriguing. Um, I don't think he needs to be somebody that's, like, a long-standing person in the MCU. But I do think it's an interesting story to tell. Yeah, it's kind of like, so if you see the boys, it's kind of like Soldier Boy vibes, except everybody forgets about him. Nobody remembers who he is, but he was a hero back in the day. And then he reappears or something like that. But yeah, it could be done really well. Another one that I saw was Odin's Quest to Rule the Nine Realms with Hela. And they described it as a cosmic Game of Thrones. And I think that could be pretty cool. I really like Thor 1. I've gone on record to say how much I love Thor 1. Um, and I did like the kind of Shakespearean tone that it took. I liked that it committed to that sort of 
not even aesthetic, but style, I guess, is the correct term to use. Um, so I think seeing something like that could be really cool. And Game of Thrones style or whatever. No, Game of Thrones is also something that I haven't seen. Um, it's also on my list, but I'm not really in a rush seeing as how it ended poorly. But I will eventually watch it just because it's like iconic TV. There's a comic called The Marvels, which follows, it's kind of, and the art style is really cool. I don't think Norman Rockwell is the correct reference to use, but it is, they look like paintings. And it's basically about this photojournalist who is there for a lot of these crazy superhero things happening. Um, kind of like for the first time, I think it's set like in the 60s where these people start appearing. Like the Human Torch and others. I'm, I'm having trouble remembering. But having an, uh, having an adaptation, there we go, of that story could be pretty cool. Even if it's just animated, that'd be cool. Because, um, yeah, it just shows you what it's like on a street level to see all this crazy stuff happening around you. And I think that's a perspective we don't often see. We got to see a little bit of it when we saw Kate uh, in the middle of the Battle of New York looking at Hawkeye from across the way. But it could be cool um, to kind of see things from a street level perspective. Marvel team-up is also a thing in the comics where two heroes will team up, they'll fight a baddie, and it's kind of just like a crossover episode basically um but like a crossover comic so i'm reading the full ultimates uh not run but like reading order i guess um with everything in that universe and there's some marvel team-ups in there um there's like one with spider-man and wolverine for example and they fight the same bad guy or whatever and that could be a cool like little animated thing where you have unlikely pairings so i thought that was a good idea a uh, series focusing on the Howling Commandos was another idea that I saw. So this is during the time after Captain America goes into the ice and we see how the people around him kind of cope with that and um, how they continue on with the fight without him and trying to wipe out the rest of Hydra. And that's just another cool, like... Um, thing exploring the past that I thought was cool. They also mentioned that like you could use it to set up modern ideas like Magneto could be in a camp that the commandos liberate. Uh, Wolverine could also be involved um, and yeah just sending out mutants in general so I thought that was kind of cool. And then this one was they called it stories of the Marvel universe. I can't speak after talking for so long. Um, so an anthology series about smaller stories that don't work as a full movie or series. So kind of like what if, but for things that we see that have actually happened in our main timeline. Like what was Kingpin doing during the snap? How did he get to the point that he's in, in Hawkeye? Um, the Elena freeing Black Widows, you know, like smaller things like that that don't make sense to be like a whole series or a whole other movie. Um, which I think is a good idea as well. It's a good way to expand the universe, and it could be like a, not spin-off of What If, but like done in a similar way. 
And then I also saw a lot of comments surprisingly talking about the Savage Lands and wanting to see Kazar and the Savage Lands in general. Um, which I would love to see how Marvel would adapt that into the MCU. Just like I'm interested to see how they're going to do Atlantis um, and how they're going to... I think they might do Dimensions like they did for Tao Lo, but we'll see. But yeah, so I was going to go into more threads um, and talk about more stuff. I feel like this first episode is long. We'll just leave it here for a first episode, get like a sampling of the kind of things that we're going to be doing in the future. I was going to talk about Thor hot takes, but I think I'll save that for another episode down the line. I have to see the movie again. I'll probably see it next week, potentially. Um, but yeah, so this is the end of the first episode. Um, oh yeah, I wanted to, before I go, I wanted to talk about things that I'm reading. So I'm basically <laughs> trying a lot of reading orders and kind of doing them at once. And then thankfully my brain can kind of separate things because if I get bored with one of the reading orders... Then I can skip to another one that I'm reading, or I can skip to a different, like, random series that I'm reading. So that's usually how I read things. Right now, I am starting House of M, uh, just for fun. And I've always been doing a complete Marvel reading order where you go through the decades of pretty much every comic that's been released. And I'm still in the 60s. I've been working at it for years, um, but very slowly. And... So that's always on the back burner. But right now I'm reading House of M. Um, I'm also reading through Jason Aaron's Thor stuff. And what else am I reading right now? I just, oh, I just read the first Secret Wars. The first one that happened in the 80s. Um, and that was kind of cool. It was interesting to see like the first like crossover event style thing. And comparing that in the comics to what Endgame was like and thinking of it in those terms were kind of cool sorry about that annoying gate across the street people come in and out of it all day it's very annoying and probably very loud but anyway <laughs> um so then i think i might read the other secret wars even though i heard the second one is not that good but uh yeah those are just bigger undertakings because there's a lot of tie-in comics that go with them whereas the first one i think there might have been some but the reading order was just the 12 issues so not as necessary as the other two to have like those side um issues and yeah that's what i'm reading right now there was a kate bishop um five issue comic that i've been reading on marvel unlimited as a new thing every week because marvel unlimited i think is three months behind of comics that get released like you know as actual comics um after three months they start releasing a marvel unlimited so this kate bishop story um it stars her and her sister and spoiler but cassie and cassie lang and america chavez make an appearance at the end and yeah it's really short but kate bishop stuff which is always fun um so i did read that that's one of the newest things i've probably ever read because like i said it was something that was coming out Maybe not every single week, but coming out, you know, in today's times. <laughs> um, and yeah, like I said, I also am working on an Ultimates run, but that's also something that's kind of in the background. I kind of just switch around a lot, <laughs> but yes. Um, 
maybe if I finish the other two Secret Wars runs, I'll have a podcast episode where I talk about all of them and I compare and contrast them and talk about like, what if we did Secret Wars in the MCU, you know, that's kind of how I want to incorporate comics into these podcasts. We might have episodes that are more focused on them because I just want to expose more people to how cool the actual comics are as well. Um, but this next episode is going to be all about Comic-Con. I'm going to try to get that up as soon as possible. And yeah, so that is everything for this episode. Um, like I said, you can follow me on Twitter at C-H-E-Y-L-O-N-G-H-I-N-I. And YouTube is also linked in the description where the Miss Marvel review should be out soon. And I'm going to be probably doing some sort of announcement video at some point on YouTube about how I'm separating. I'm making a second YouTube channel and some other announcements that I have when it comes to content that I'm doing, but that might be for a little bit. Anyway, I will see you in the next episode.